Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Wednesday. It's Wednesday already, September 20th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney from the Automation Blog and School, and this is the show in which I cover what's new and happening in industrial automation. I hope you all are having a great morning. And with that, let's go ahead and get started here. And first up, just a reminder, if you do enjoy, you know, the show, please like, subscribe, follow, share. It really helps us grow the number of people we can reach each morning. We appreciate everybody who's watching, but we really want to grow our audience and really help more people and have more back and forth with the audience. So if you can help us with that, we'd greatly appreciate it. From there, I do want to thank our sponsor, theautomationschool.com. If you know anybody looking for PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please recommend theautomationschool.com, or at least ask them to go check it out. From there, we go over to our first press release of today, and it's from ABB. And ABB is launching, or has launched, a new software package, OptiFact. Now, they have a whole suite of packages, but this is a brand new addition to it. And this software, I paused the video. The video was actually pretty good. You can see there's a lot of focus with this software package on collecting data from not just ABB products, from all products on the plant floor. And that, you know, that have intelligence that can serve up data and uh, provide it in both uh, charts and graphs and uh, really give uh, the user a visual clue onto what's happening on the plant floor, really show them what's going on. And they really promote it as being able to uh, help you uh, monitor key performing indicators you know, like cycle time and overall equipment effectiveness. And, uh, you know, their, their hope is it'll help their customers speed up diagnostics and decision-making. That's what they've seen where they used it and uh, tested it out in beta. And so in any case, I know this software from other vendors out there that do the same thing, but this is a brand new package and I wanted to share it with you uh, this morning. From there, we go over to another press release from ABB. And this is about the launch of their new IRB 1090 educational robot. And uh, when you buy this robot as an educational institution, you get 100 copies of their Robo Studio. So usually you won't have more than 100 computers in a classroom. So that's pretty good. Um, I pulled up this picture because it kind of shows the size of a couple of students here and the size of the actual robot. This one's actually quite, uh, I think it's 20% lighter and a little bit smaller than the previous educational editions. So very cool product. I would like to, probably next year when we get a physical office, we'd love to get one of these and do some training on these as well as all the PLC, HMI, and SCADA stuff we do at the Automation School. But in any case, it doesn't look like we're going to be moving uh, this winter. There's just too much going on. But uh, in the spring, we'll definitely be looking to rent a facility to, um, to do in-person training for those people who prefer that. I know a lot of people do. And also... To have, uh, to have people in for the podcast. Right now we do everything virtually, but it'd be nice to actually have the vendors come in and come on the podcast. But in any case, uh, I digress. So that was the second press release from ABB. From there, we go over to an excellent article from Rockwell Automation. They, they show it as a press release, but it really reads like an article. And um, it talks about uh, some new research that they just had done that shows that... Um, Nearly 60% of all cyber attacks, cyber attacks on critical infrastructure are state-sponsored or done by state-sponsored affiliate groups. That's a little scary. And uh, just to get on my soapbox for a minute, that's why I think we need to have digital borders. We need a digital customs. Why are we allowing, why are we allowing these people who we know sponsor um, cyber attacks against our infrastructure, free access to our entire network of our country? 
Why would any country do that, right? We should have, we have customs at the physical borders. We should have digital customs and uh, definitely not allow everybody at access to granny's computer at home, right? But I digress. Let me get off the soapbox. Um, really some really interesting stuff in this article. And uh, it talks about that um, of the 60% of cyber attacks in the industrial sector that are led by state affiliated uh, actors, um, 33% of the time, an employee unwittingly assists in that attack through either phishing or, you know, some, uh, you know, getting hacked, having their phone hacked or taking some malware in on a USB drive. So this is really important, especially for ICS security, you know, employee training, right? And in some places, bring your own device to work can't be allowed just because this, this, the, the areas are so secure. I remember there was a government paper mill nearby where they would not allow you to bring in any electronics. You couldn't bring in your phone or anything like that. So in any case, in some instances, we need to do that, right? So uh, some other interesting information here. Of the attacks on, um, you know, OT, ICS side of things, uh, SCADA was the target 53% of the time and PLCs were the target 22% of the time. So a lot of interesting information in this Rockwell Automation press release slash article. And uh, I wanted to share it with you guys, especially any of you who are following cybersecurity or trying to put together a list of articles to give the management, to get them to take uh, OT security seriously, right? And so we cover this almost every day. We have something new to talk about on this uh, sector. We're hoping to get uh, ISA on the show to talk about ISA Secure. So we've already had him on to talk about, I think it's 62443. Um, so that was Eric Cosman who came on to do that. We're hoping to get somebody new on to talk about ISA Secure. We've talked about that in a few episodes, but uh, in any case, uh, we're hoping we can reschedule that. So looking forward to that. Now from there, I wanna go over to an article I found on Siemens websites. I've lost, somehow I lost all of the links to my to my uh, Siemens update sites, uh, like their blogs and whatnot. So I'm trying to rebuild them. And in doing so, I found this one. This is actually their USA CEO's uh, keynote address from Automate 2023. So that was a few months ago, right? But in any case, it was just released. And I thought it was extremely interesting to see what their CEO was thinking and how they're approaching the American industry of uh, industrial automation. And, uh, you know, they have some pretty interesting tactics. You know, if we look at uh, what they're doing with the virtual PLC, the virtual F7, and um, we're still hoping to get uh, to get them to come on to talk about that. I know it's been months since we've heard anything about that. But uh, in any case, um, I thought this was very interesting. And we definitely want to, uh, definitely, if you're if you're interested and you want to know what Siemens' uh, goals are and what they're, uh, what they're focusing on, check that out. From there, we go over to Beckoff. Now, Beckoff has a new article about, and this is a series of articles they've been doing about 20 years of EtherCAT. And, um, you know, we've seen EtherCAT, it's currently running number three, I think, of industrial Ethernet uh, field buses, you know, with Profinet and Ethernet IP kind of tied for uh, first place. But uh, this was a very interesting article because it focuses on EtherCAT from a um, motion control perspective. And so it's an interview of Dr. Gudio Beckman, and it uh, really goes in deep. So if you're interested in this topic, you may want to check that out. They also had a great graphics here. Let's see if I can open this up in a new tab um, of all the different style connectors you can use with EtherCAT. So um, I'm not familiar with EtherCAT. We've, we did have an expert on to, um, to, to run us through what EtherCAT is in one of our previous podcasts. I didn't, I should have linked that here, but 
Um, in any case, if you just go to uh, theautomationblog.com and search on EtherCAT, you'll find it. And uh, in any case, uh, very interesting stuff. From there, I wanted to do a what's new in school today. So today is uh, September 20th. And uh, I just wanted to bring an update of what's going on at the automation school, what's new. And uh, we're getting ready for some to film a lot of lessons in a, in a very uh, short period of time. And a part of that is finding cameras. I got four great Panasonic 1080p cameras that I'm currently using. And um, they really are good, but they don't make them anymore. And it's hard to find cameras today with remote controls. And so right now I can just point and zoom in. If you've taken any of my courses or you watched any of the automation show on, uh, on uh, my videos, you know, it's really so convenient just to be able to zoom in on a particular area, you know, maybe on a product label or something, then zoom back out. So I did order an, an, a Sony camera to test it uh, with a remote, um, but I don't know, I wish these, these camera companies would not go to cell phone control because to be honest with you, trying to control four different cameras with the cell phone that, you know, I, I don't want my cell phone like ringing and dinging while I'm recording a lesson, right? And so, um, yeah, not for me. Also, um, terminal blocks. So what we're gonna have with the new jigs is we're gonna have just one set of uh, controls and uh, we're gonna have three different PLCs, like maybe an S7, or, well, in this case, it'll be a compact logic control logics, maybe a micro 800. And so to use that same set of controls with each of those PLCs so I can film the lessons back to back to back, I'm gonna go with these uh, really cool uh, terminal blocks that have the removable, uh, the removable terminal blocks, right? So these uh, like, um, you know, Phoenix style, uh, you know, three or four or eight or, or bigger terminal blocks. So I'll just be able to unconnect them all and put them all in. So those are coming in now, but probably the thing I'm most excited about is um, the extruded aluminum. So um, previously I would usually buy these, they would come in 10 foot sections and it was $100 shipping. So I'd try to buy some extra because $100 shipping is $100 shipping, right? That's a lot of shipping. And that was the best, the best place I could find on the internet, right? And, um, but recently, and then of course I get them in, I got to come and cut them in, in all the right sizes and whatnot. And, you know, I, as I build this new jig, I want to show, or this new trainer, I want to show the students how to do it, right? A lot of my students are self-starters. They want to build their own system. So I'm already showing them how to build these, uh, these board-based systems, but I wanted to show them how to build this as well. Well, I found that Automation Direct is now selling these and they're cutting them for free and they're offering free two-day shipping. So I'm really excited about that. Can't wait to get it in. I still will have to drill them out, but uh, to build the second uh, test stand here so we can uh, film all seven courses simultaneously. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. That saved me a couple hundred bucks just that by them offering the cutting and the free shipping. The free shipping is really where I save. The cutting just saves me headache and time. Um, you know, setting up the metal cutting uh, saw and all that. So in any case, really excited about that too. So that's kind of an update what's going on at the school. Uh, we'll be getting the cameras in, we'll be testing them, we'll getting, be getting uh, the extruded aluminum in and fielding lessons on how to, you know, what sizes I use and how to put it together. And um, so if any of the students want to build their own, they'll, they'll um, you know, they'll be able to know, the see at least how I did it and then they can modify it to do it how they want to do it. So that's uh, what's new in school for September 20th. And now let's go back to the news here. And uh, Schneider has a new article here about, it's time for a smaller, more powerful UPS for edge computing. Now we all know whether it's retail or whether it's industrial, edge computing, right? I mean, these are usually really small, you know, PCs, right? And so I can see their point that, you know, the standard big honking UPS is not needed and probably no room for it. 
So uh, this, I thought this was a good article. That I went and looked at some of their, uh, they have some 1U UPSs for small network closets and whatnot. So I think we'll see more of this. Even I think we're going to see more, like we talked about Primo's um, uh, supercapacitor. I think we're going to see more products like that too for edge computing because quite honestly, power is going to go out, you know, for how long, how long do you need power when power goes out, right? So you need to safety shut everything down. But, you know, more often than not, you want a quick charge, right? So if power goes out a second time, you still have backup. And typically once the battery charges, it takes a long time to, to charge back up, right? After it discharges. So from there, we go over to a new blog from Cognex. And I thought this was really good. It's entitled, What is the difference between vision-based sensors and laser-based sensors, right? And, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of the Cognex new products. You know, we just had the Snap-on and um, we've covered a lot of the other new products. And in this article, they really go through vision sensors versus laser sensors. Now, I think we all intuitively know what the differences are, but I really enjoyed going through the article and, you know, having them, you know, kind of talk about, you know, the, the major differences and whether you just want a refresher on your, uh, on your sensor uh, knowledge or if you have somebody junior on your staff who maybe hasn't done a lot with sensors, this would be a great article to share with them. And I thought they did a really good job. There's a lot of laser applications beyond just, uh, you know, distance measuring, right? And so there's profiling and other things that I think, um, you know, a lot of people aren't as familiar with. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with the, with, the, uh, with the distance measurers, but beyond that, there's a lot of other options as well out there. So from there, we go over to an article from Aviva. And this article is about a new feature of their data hub. It's called the Connected Communities. And it's an interesting feature that allows you to choose different people you can share some or all of your data with. Now, at first you may be thinking, whoa, we don't want to share access to our data outside our company, but maybe you do, right? So think about a, a, a corporate office that has multiple plants and they need to, they need access, not to all of the data, but they need access to some, you know, KPIs or some OE or some other numbers, production numbers from each of the plants. Well, they could use this connected communities instead of getting access to everything, they could just allow them access to certain things using this feature. In most cases today, I think, you know, corporate office just opens up, you know, connects to the local plant and accesses everything that way. But uh, this could be an option for that. It's also an option for allowing an OEM. Maybe you, they just bought a, maybe you just bought a brand new machine from an OEM and you want to give them access to the, uh, how the machine is performing, right? So that could be a one option. And another option would be maybe an SI. Maybe you're having trouble understanding why a system's not working or working as expected. And the SI could tap into some of your data and monitor the system from remotely so they can see what's happening as well. And so I, I think it's a cool feature. I, I don't know of a lot of uh, uh, historians that have features like this. You know, it's either all or nothing in most cases. So I thought it was a very interesting take on uh, allowing uh, certain some data accessed by some people. From there, we go over to an article from Universal Robotics. And this is the five reasons larger companies are tuning or turning are turning to cobots. And um, I'm not gonna read the whole article, but I do wanna cover the five top reasons with you. And you guys may or may not agree with these, but let's go ahead and go through them. Uh, reason number one, cobots are being used to complement traditional robots. Here we see some uh, places where large robots are used and then this cobots should be used as well. Number two, labor and skill shortages are forcing a rethink of job design. We, you know, this go, leads into machine tending too. We've talked about that quite a bit on the show. Uh, number three, a trend towards simplification and modularity. 
Well, simplification, I don't know if adding a cobot simplifies things, but modularity, yeah. So in many cases, some of these cobots, they get put on mobile platforms, right? And they get used in different places wherever they're needed. So very interesting there. Number four, technical advances have created new possibilities for cobot technology. And number five, they see the same benefits as smaller companies. So yeah, I think larger companies would see the same benefits as smaller companies from doing using the same product. So those are their five key takeaways from this latest article. From there, we go over to a product announcement from Cole Morgan. It's been a while, um, at least a month, and uh, this is a new stepper drive. It's the P80360. It's a, um, a new uh, addition to their P8000 line. It is a stepper drive that offers real-time precision. And a very interesting product I was reading through here, and they can get near servo uh, results from this uh, stepper drive. And, uh, you know, you can do open loop, you can do closed loop. Um, encoder feedback is very important in both of those. But um, just want to congratulate uh, Cole Morgan on this new uh, stepper. I'm very interested to know if you guys are still using a lot of steppers out there. I see mostly servos these days, but I would imagine stepper, steppers are still very popular, especially in the lower cost applications. Uh, from there, we go over to our video of the day. Now, um, Dobot just released a uh, press release about their new CRA line or series of collaborative robots. And, uh, but I thought the uh, video was actually the most interesting thing here. So I'm sharing it as a video. And it just, I thought it was Dobot and the guy kept saying Dobot. So I'm gonna say Dobot. But in any case, um, I thought it was very interesting. A lot of these collaborative robots look very, very similar. But they had some cool things in this video, like they have their own vision camera that go on the end of their robot, which I thought was pretty cool. So a lot of times you utilize a, a third-party vision camera because there's so many people who just do vision very, very well. But they have their very own vision camera. They also have a feature that stops it before it hits you. So if you're standing in the way, it'll stop. Now, I didn't read into that, like how it's doing that. There must be some kind of presence sensing. There it is in the video right there, right? So um, using uh, some presence text sensing technology, they, uh, they'll make sure it doesn't knock you off. Of course, I wouldn't risk my life on that, but it's uh, safety is always good. And the more safety features, the better. So I wanted to share that video with you. Uh, as far as downloads, we have a firmware package update for the SciCam Q100 from Siemens. We also have uh, from another, another manual from the future, October 2023. Um, we have a Micromotion G-Series Coriolis Flow and Density Sensor Manual. This is an installation manual, and it's dated October 2023. Uh, from there, we go over to our other science and technology. I had two stories here I thought that were really interesting. The first one is about a company called Carbonscape, Carbonscape, and they have developed something called biographite. So graphite's used in a lot of places. There's a shortage of graphite. It's hard to mine. There's, you can't get it everywhere. And so um, it's hard to, I should say, hard to make. But in any case, um, let's zoom in here on this article. Um, what they're doing is they're actually making biographite from byproducts of the forest and timber industry. So leftover wood and scraps, they're turning into biographite. This will address the huge shortage. I think it's over 7,000 tons uh, deficit of product um, by 2023. So if we can reuse waste to make graphite, man, great idea. Congratulations to Carbonscape for this, uh, I think it's an $18 million investment to build a plant in Europe and the US. And um, 
You can see the whole article here. Very important for lithium, lithium ion batteries, they say. So in any case, very cool. And then lastly, I thought this was very interesting. So this is from IEEE Spectrum and it's uh, all about agility and their new factory. And they hope to be able to build in this brand new factory, 10,000 uh, humanoid style robots a year. So if you're watching, you'll see a picture of the humanoid, humanoid robot on the screen. I think they look a little funny, like happy funny. But in any case, um, very interesting. Uh, they're going to actually be using their own robots to move the totes and products around inside the factory. So I do think, you know, we've seen this article, we've seen another guy. If these guys are planning on making 10,000 a year, I mean, this is going to start showing up in our factories. We're going to start seeing like walking, these walking cobots start carrying stuff around our factories, right? And so it'll be interesting times when that happens. But um, I don't think any of you guys have that already. Let me know if you do, if you already have these out there. But this is kind of like bleeding edge stuff there. I think, you know, they say that there's probably only uh, uh, in the hundreds that are actually out there working today. And these, these folks, Agility, they plan to make uh, 10,000 a year. So um, the video on there uh, the, talking about this was pretty cool too, but I wanted to share that with you. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll have human, humanoid looking robots machine tending our machines here in the very near future. So the rest of us can uh, do a George Jetson and sit in the control room all day, right? Uh, so in any case, um, with that, um, you know, if you think I missed any news today, please submit the uh, news tip uh, form and let me know what I missed. Also, if you want to provide any feedback, please use our talkback form. I also want to thank theautomationschool.com for sponsoring this episode of uh, the Automation Morning Show. And uh, also want to remind you, I think we're up to 1237 now. Uh, folks over at automation.locals.com. We recently had conversations about the net AIC and what it's for. And uh, we also talked about EN2T and why it may not be working. So uh, feel, uh, feel free to come up here and follow us for free or join for one cup of coffee a month. Uh, with that, I do want to thank everybody who picked up copies of my eBooks or my video collections, as well as my coffee cups and t-shirts. Thank you all very much. All the proceeds go right back into the show and the site. And uh, with that, uh, if you, this is the first time you watch the show, um, you should know that after this live show, right, and after um, we edit it and send it to all the other destinations, I will be coming up here and putting every link that I covered in today's show up here at automate.news. No www, no.com. And I want to say hi to Frank in the, uh, in the chat. I missed him uh, last week because I couldn't see, couldn't see the text. So I want to say hi to him. And um, let me see if I can, no, I think that's it. Just Frank to say hi to in the chat over on, it looks like he's on YouTube. So in any case, I want to wish you all a, uh, an awesome day. I hope you have a courageous, fearless, and awesome day. And until next time, my friends, peace.